Girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for a week. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's like signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding, my hand, to, I swear. Yesterday, <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little hungry. Like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because uh-huh. I don't know how we're going to survive without it. So, fam, you can fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO or you can use promo code TCO at checkout. Girl, sometimes being me is as exhausting as it sounds. You know, I'm glad to hear you say it. <laughs> because much like not being disturbed when you have a true crime podcast where we're like, you should get out of the biz if you're like cool with all this. I would be a little worried about you if you were like, this is so easy. <laughs> Patrick Hines, banana. Banana. Um, you guys, welcome to, I don't even know what episode, I think this is episode 10, uh, volume 2, episode 8, or whatever, I can't do the math. Yeah, it's. No. I just have it as unsolved 10 oh, in my great. notes. It's called Tsunami Spirits. You guys, if you're looking for more fun, laughs, good times with me and GP, join us on the Patreon. Girl, we're getting really close to 200 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this gosh darn second. Well, I should hope so because you've been throwing that number around for like six months. I know. For like the first two years, I'm like 140, 140, then like... Wait, 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 girl, hold on. We've been doing this for like six weeks. Wait a second. I know. You guys, we just finished up the vow. We're starting the Martha Moxley murder from Oxygen. I knew nothing about this case. It's blowing my mind. I know. We're in Connecticut. Those people are rich, girl. They are so rich that they need actual stadiums. Uh, we'll get into it. It's just, there's a lot. The the, rich, the richosity of it all is just off the charts. But it's all the classic stuff you want us to cover. The Jinx, the Staircase, Serial, Making a Murderer, Lorena. All 200 episodes of The Vow. There were absolutely 200 episodes of that. Don't F with Cats, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I think you might have said that. And then after parties, ad-free versions of these episodes, Zoom hangs, uh, where it's just a party. Everything you can think of, you guys. Also, uh, if you go to our website, check out the merch. We are donating every last penny of our merch sales to charities, and that's like my favorite thing that we get to do every month. I know, I love that. Yeah. Not to like pat us on the back too much, but I love no. that. Like, <laughs> it, it would make me uncomfortable if I'm like, I don't want money. You're wearing a shirt with some stupid thing I said on it. That's amazing. You're amazing. I just feel self conscious about it. Let's put that money to good use, shall we? Travel down the road. Girl, 
Oh, Best Fiends is back. You guys, you know Jillian and I have been playing Best Fiends for together and against each other now. I don't know, <laughs> since quarantine started, girl. Yeah, here's why I love Best Fiends. First of all, your new favorite thing is their new tagline. Yes, you guys, Best Fiends is boredom's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, so I was playing by myself, and then you got into it, and I was like, okay, so you play separately, I'll play separately, and then let's play together, which is so <laughs> yeah. fun because it's like they're adding all these levels all the time. Yeah. There's, again, you won't get bored, and it's like a fun competition. <laughs> It's not like I'm going to go kill you in this game. It's like this cute little fun, friendly competition. That's what I always say. It's fun and it's too much fun. And it's hard, but it's not that hard. You guys, they have over 100 million downloads. It's a five-star rated mobile puzzle game. You got to play it. You got to check it out. It's like keeping me and Jillian sane in quarantine. I know. Mike is always like, what are you doing on your phone? And my big line is like, just one more level. Just one more. Hold on. Just one more. Just one more. And he's like, yeah, it, they're like Pringles. Like there is just, there is no one more level. You guys, we've been playing Best Fiends for forever. We love it so much. You can download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And that's friends without the R. So it's Best Fiends. You guys, we tell you that every time. I mean, how many times do I have to say it? Guess what? Every time. And I'll do it. (laughs) All right, girl. What are we talking about today? We are talking about tsunami spirits. And this is all in Japanese, by the way. If you guys remember how we did episode the episode three, which was the French family, what was it oh, called? God. The terror, terror House or something? Something like that. Something. Oh, it, uh, the, the episode that kept Jillian up at night, volume 200. Yeah, 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 exactly. That was all in French. And so when you guys hear the clips that we use in this episode, it's not going to sound like the real people because it's actually like American voiceover actors. And explain to them about this really intense guy doing the audio descriptions. Well, I think you have a lady and I have a man and I want the lady. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's audio description. So it's describing not only it's it describes everything. It describes everything from the opening credits where it's like where it's like <laughs> doctors roll a gurney. There's a dead body on it. It's just like describing what the images in the unsolved mysteries opening credits are, and uh-huh. it also describes everything that's happening. And sometimes he has to go really fast where it's like everything's on fire because the actual closed captions of the of the dub or the dubbing is is happening. There's yeah. it's a mess. How about that? It is really great for accessibility like I love that this exists but it is aggressive and sometimes when I'm like using clips there's no way to edit around it so if you hear a really aggressive sounding person explaining what a building looks like that that's what that is you guys yeah it's um it's great it's it's also so uh, this is about <laughs> how on, on March 11th 2011 the tsunami that devastated the coast of northeastern Japan this was a big deal it's crazy you guys and so I learned a lot. I still learn every day some yeah. things about myself. I, le- I for some reason, avoided the worst of the footage when, oh, when this was all oh, over yeah, the news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I, I know that because seeing it, oh, it's happening right now. See, yeah. Watching this documentary was so physically hard. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I had yeah. to stop it many times and all the times I watched it. And I know that if I had seen the level of footage that we saw in this documentary, I would remember having that experience prior to watching this yeah 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 yeah, totally so I realized I was like this is absolutely tragic it's just it's like 20,000 lives were lost this was just an absolute absolute tragedy and like and there is just so much video of it it is just really bananas it's a lot it's a lot and it's like I oh so that's a thing oh great another fear to add perfect another reason for my shoulders to be in my ears it's super fun being me so we get that like perfectly amazing pre-opening credits thing where they give you like the creepy moment of the whole sure. thing yeah. and so we're like with this monk we learn later he's a Buddhist 
monk in a temple in this area of Japan, and he's saying, I asked the man, Who are you? He answered, I'm at the bottom of the ocean. And then he asked me, Reverend, am I alive or dead? I said to him, There was an earthquake. You were hit by a tsunami. And you died. And opening sequence. Ah! Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's it's just perfectly, perfectly unsolved. Like, this is just what they do. Yeah. So it's about how, like, after the tsunami happened, a lot, like hundreds of cases of these really unsolved, unexplainable, supernatural, spooky things started to happen. And that's what this episode's about. Yeah. And so we learn about this area of Japan that it's like, they say it has everything. It has oceans and mountains and rivers. And they really talk about, like, the ocean and what it means to this community. And, like, we see these aerial shots of it and it is so beautiful yeah and they say that like they loved the ocean the people who live in this part of japan love the ocean and then the whole thing is about how like and then the earthquake hit and like the the ocean like for all intents and purposes like swallows up parts of this town so they talk about this earthquake hitting you guys it's the earthquake is like what leads to the tsunami right we see the video, like this video part goes on for five minutes where we are right. seeing the inside of businesses and aerial footage of the town. And it is so terrifying. I've never been in an earthquake. No. Like to see the literal, like the just shaking of everything, the sound that it makes. Even, like you see like the books just falling off the wall and we're in businesses and things. And everyone is so fucking calm. Did you see how calm everybody was? I was like, wait a second. It's the unsolved <laughs> mystery. How are you so calm during an earthquake? Because the thing, what we learn is where it's like people in this area experienced a large number of earthquakes. Like that, it, that's just part of the gig really yeah, of living yeah. in this area. And so the issue is that because no one takes care of the earth. I'm yeah. not gonna. Sc- I'm not gonna make this a whole soapbox thing. But they, no one gives a shit about the earth, and so the, the earthquakes get bigger and bigger and bigger as time Wait, goes on. That's my question: Are earthquakes affected by climate change? Everything's affected by climate change. Because like I need a real answer to that question. Because like I need to know how. Like I understand how everything else is affected by climate change, but earthquakes. Well, if the earthquake then makes the tsunami work, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the yeah, domino yeah, yeah, yeah. effect. Yes. Of, like if the thing that happens after the earthquake is affected by climate change, then climate change affects everything. Totally. Totally. Also, not scientist please don't quote me i'm sure you'll come for me on the internet that's part, again part of the gig um but the one in 2011 this earthquake in 2011 was a nine on the richter scale and i don't know much about anything but i know that that's a lot that's a really yeah like the biggest ones before that were like 8.5 8.4 like a 9.0 on the richter scale again yeah. i don't know anything about anything right but that seems like a really fucking high number because it go only goes to 10 as far as i know yeah it does doesn't it right <laughs> Again, don't know anything about anything. Don't quote me on a single thing. Like, imagine imagine Alexander Skarsgård is like a 9 out of 10. Sure. Imagine that as an earthquake. That's how bad it was. Right. So, in whatever hot guy comparison you helps you, um, when, 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 when an earthquake is a 9, everyone was like, oh, shit. Like, a tsunami is imminent. That, that it, it, it was so bad that they were like, okay, so this is the beginning of something terrible. Using our emergency radios, we told residents to run away as quickly as they could. We did everything we were trained to do in case of a tsunami. In 
also feels like they live in a place where they understand when bad things happen. Like, you can do things to mitigate the loss. I wouldn't have any experience with that living in this country. But, like, it seems like they are practiced on, like, okay, an earthquake happens, you run for the fucking hills. And, like, you hear the sirens, and, like, the guy on the siren is like, this is an earthquake. You right. will you will soon be experiencing a tsunami. Please head to higher ground. This is a tsunami warning. If you are near the ocean, please move to higher ground. They're so calm, but like everyone knows if you stay calm, you probably survive. Right. How? And that is totally valid. This is just my, I'm just now, I guess, projecting. I would rather, and you can mark this, record, save this recording. Sure. <laughs> I would rather you screaming at me with the urgency because there's something that, because again, these people know like the fact that there are sirens and like the tsunami warning where it's like, if you're near the ocean, please move to higher ground. And I, I do understand the rationale of like, let's not alarm them. They're all, they know. They're not idiots here. The Japanese people aren't, they're not morons. They know like, get the hell out of Dodge. They totally get it. Right. But I want the like, no, no, no girl, fucking run. Yeah. I don't think that I would be welcome in Japan because you, like when you see the videos, it would be like all these people calmly walking with urgency and then it would be me. You, you You are Michael Scott pushing everyone out of the way to get out first. Yeah. <laughs> I just rewatched that the other day. Oh the, my fu- God. the one where it's on fire. Oh, where my the God. Are- oh my God. It is the funniest thing I've ever Say seen. Say bandit. My- <laughs> yeah. that, that, epi- that cold open is, and this is a true story. Yeah. My, my hand of God, as they used to say in the old country, <laughs> meaning Queens. Uh, that is the hardest I've ever seen my dad laugh. And he's watched it a couple times. And every time it's almost like he laughs harder. And it's I the know. hardest I've seen him laugh like by a lot. But it has to be one of the most perfect moments in comedy that's ever happened. Fire! Oh, fire! Oh my goodness! Ah, my hand! That's hot! This was hot too! Okay, we're trapped, everyone for himself! Okay, let's go! Let's go! But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, everyone is doing the right thing. And that's where I am... we live. We live right. at Michael Scott at 100. That's what I'm saying. Like, everyone in Japan is doing the right, normal, rational thing, and I am Michael Scott. Go! Go! Right. And I, I don't know why, but I prefer that. And yes. I never prefer that. <laughs> So, do I have like permission if we ever get stuck in an elevator to do that? Well, I'm not. We're, let's not go that far. Let's let's keep let's take it on a case by case basis, shall we? Again, don't quote me. So, but then we start to see the tsunami, and again, we're not going to dwell on Ooh. this because this shit is so fucking scary. Yeah. But I do want to point out that I had seen some of this footage before because I wanted to see what a tsunami looked like. I was imagining a Hawaii Five O enormous hang ten wave. No. That's not what a tsunami is, you guys. We see at the end that at its highest height it was 136 feet. That's not what this looks like. This looks like it comes up to your waist, but it is going 8,000 miles an hour. Well, the thing, and I just have like I cannot stress how scary and heartbreaking this footage is, but it yeah. truly does look like the water is attacking the land. It doesn't look like it's this big, almost like supernatural wave that's just going to engulf everything. It looks like the water is coming so aggressively, but coming like it's like soaking up the land. It's like I can't even. Like when you're seeing it roll in, you're kind of like, huh, that is not as scary as it seems. And then when it makes landfall to say that it picks up vans and buses and houses, it just looks like like none of these things weigh anything. It looks like everything is made of paper and it just rolls over it and it just sweeps up the town in its wake. And all of a sudden this town turns into a lake and a river. And, And like it also seems like there's no end in sight. At one point, we see an 
an aerial view. It's like completely swallowed the town and now it's rolling into the farmland. It's crazy. And as if it can't get any worse, when the tsunami is over and like the death and destruction, it's bad enough. But then it starts to snow. And the snow wouldn't stop pouring down on these drenched survivors. I was completely defeated. Why is nature being so cruel? So merciless to people that are already suffering. It's a fucking blizzard. And like they just had the earthquake, all of that destruction. Now the tsunami's happening. And like I can't handle it as a as a viewer. And and the reason I can't handle it as a viewer is because I just keep putting myself in the position of these people. It is truly fucking terrible. And let me just say, as far as like natural elements go, uh, like an earthquake and a snowstorm are not connected. It's not no. the you know what I mean? It's not the way like an earthquake leads to a tsunami that makes sense. Sure. It just so happens that they had an earthquake and a tsunami on the day of a blizzard. Like, that is fucking crazy. I know. Travel down the road back again. Girl, Skylight Frames is back. Look, since our first ad, like 30 people in the Facebook group have gotten this thing. Everyone is obsessed. I know, and I want all their emails so that I can send just random pictures of dogs to their <laughs> Skylight. Because that's how this thing works. It's the coolest thing. It's this digital frame, right? Yeah. So you have your own personal email address that goes to the frame. So you can send pictures to it yourself, but you can give it to your friends and your family. And that's how everyone can stay connected because you're all just sharing the same photos. And then you all see it on your Skylight and it's beautiful and sweet. The thing about this kind of digital frame is that mm-hmm. it's for people with taste. You guys, it's this black frame with a white mat. It looks like a real photo frame. It adds a beautiful touch to your home. If you're a gay with no taste like me, you need this thing. Yeah, it has a minimalist vibe, which I love, but it's also like, oh, look at that beautiful picture. Look at that cute picture. Oh, remember that? So it's like the worlds are colliding here. And when you email the pictures, you guys, they upload in less than 60 seconds, so you can literally be changing the art in your house like every minute. And that's what I do. I watch it because it goes through the carousel and then I'm like, Uh where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. There's the new picture. So you guys, right now is a special offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code OBSESSED. That's right. So to get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, go to skylightframe.com and enter code OBSESSED. So that's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. Promo code OBSESSED. I'm telling you, it's the number one thing in the Facebook group right now. Everyone has one. Getting the discount (laughs) is as easy as emailing a photo to the frame. 60 seconds, you're done. So, of course, this makes worldwide news. Of course, like it was just everywhere. And so, you know, we get all of these stories of survivors just talking about how how was it surviving the tsunami on Solve Mysteries? It felt like I was living in hell. Thanks for asking. We're with this dad who's just like wandering through like a bamboo forest being like, that's where I found my eldest daughter. And I found my wife a mile away. Somebody else finds his new baby. Like, it really is just terrible. And like, I think to sort of like lead to the spirituality of it, they tell us that due to the lack of electricity, the crematorium wasn't working. And apparently in Japan, they tell us it's a country, we are told, that cremates most of their dead. And so because it wasn't working, they were forced to bury most of these like 15,000 plus bodies with the idea that they would dig them up later and cremate them then. And I think that what we're meant to, I think, pull from this is that this is a country that believes very strongly in spirituality and the relationship between the living and the dead. And, you know, according to the people that we meet in this documentary, there's a very thin veil. They don't see death the way that we see it. Whereas, like, in America, we see it as an end. And they're saying, like, no, like, it's just another state of existence. Japanese people don't separate the dead from the living. Shoji is a sliding door made of very thin paper. To Japanese people, death is like shoji. 
Once you open the sliding door, you go through the other side, and the living can still see you through it. And I think they're saying that, like, one of the reasons to explain why so much, like, crazy phenomena happened in the wake of these deaths was because these, like, spirits were very confused. Like, their their bodies weren't handled the way that they are used to being handled. Right. Because then, you know, three months after the tsunami, this journalist arrives. And yeah. he's immediately, I mean, immediately hearing about the spooky season, the ghosts, all of this stuff. And by October, I'm like, a little on brand, universe. <laughs> but by October, the supernatural stories were through the roof. I think one thing to point out, though, is that, like, it, we're calling it supernatural. And I think in this part of the world, what we're learning in this episode is that, like, this is accepted there. And, sure. And, and expected. So it's not like this is an area where they don't ever talk about ghosts and then all of a sudden all this shit was happening. Like, it's kind of normal, I think, there, except, like, it's happening on, like, a really grand scale. Yeah, they're not mad about it. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm running around the office turning on every fucking light. Like, this shit scares the living shit out of me. The thing is, I agree, though. Like, I under, I'm like, okay, so you were forced to go against your traditional yes. way of mourning. And then suddenly this, like, and also this horrible, this triple hit of, like, the earthquake, the tsunami. And, like, I'm with them on this. Wait, where are you on the spectrum of, like, ghosts are real? Uh, they're totally real. And where are you on, like, heaven, hell, that whole thing? Oh, God. Um, I, that... Uh, <laughs> Not to put you on the spot or anything, girl. No, no, no. I, I have a very sort of, um, it's sort of like when we were talking about UFOs that I'm kind of like, I'm open to all of these conversations. I guess that's like an agnostic where it's like, I know that there's something else there. I just, I can't 100% define what it yeah, is, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual, per- you know, I got the incense and the sage and the tarot. And I know that that's not, that, that that's not the end all be all. And of course there are different levels of it, but uh-huh. I'm just like, to me, this makes sense. Like if these spirits are coming back after this, horrible three months that happened in Japan to me I'm like that is right on cue like I completely believe what's happening here same I mean I I do think some of the stories are a little far-fetched for me but in general I believe what's going on yeah I'm I meant to say that <laughs> <laughs> no backsies, girl. No, no backsies. No. I, I understand that these people are like, this isn't weird. Like, I don't think it's right. weird that there's some kind of that the veil is thin, you know? I totally agree. So one day, one day the, our, this, our journalist friend is here. And one yeah. day this man reaches out to the journalist and we hear his name is Endo and we hear this story. Yeah. And the story is that on the day of the earthquake, he goes to a shelter looking for his mother. Like, like thinking that she was displaced. Maybe she's here. Like, he's just walking around trying to find her. Right. And he was told, oh, yeah, yeah, just just wait here. While he was waiting, he saw an older woman looking out the window and wearing his mother's clothes. As he looked closer, he realized she was his mother. He took out his camera to take a photo of his mother so his family would know she's safe. And he looks closer and he's like, oh shit, that is my mom. Like there must have been a miscommunication because this person is going to get her. But oh, wow, she's right here. Like, great, right? Absolutely not. This is called Unsolved Mysteries. Welcome. So he sees her and he's like, oh, hey, mom, let me just take a photo real quick to show the rest of our family that you're okay and that I have you and that like everything's fine. Yeah. So then he says, Endo, the guy telling the story says he points the camera at her and looks at her image through the preview screen then takes the photo he lowers the camera and sees a different woman Shuji explains 
But the woman's face changed into someone he'd never seen before. And it turns out that right as he was taking this photo, his mom is like riding in a bus somewhere. And yeah. the, the bus that his mother was riding in was uh, washed away by the tsunami. Like he would later find out that at the very moment he's taking this woman's picture, his mother was probably succumbing to the tsunami. I wish we had confirmation on the timing of this. Yeah. Because I don't know how we know that, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of my MO for this whole document. We just have to take it all at face value. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> It, it is Unsolved Mysteries, after right. all. Right. I, sh- I should be reminding myself that, not just the listeners. I should take my own advice. Great. So that's the first story that we hear. And then we hear the journalist tells another story that there's a mother who had lost her three-year-old son. Like, I cannot imagine right. the depths of that loss. And it was a while later, and the mom had been really depressed and, you know, been suffering panic attacks. And one night she's making dinner for her and her husband. And, like, we see a reenactment of this, and it's a beautiful reenactment. And the mom, like, turns around to, like, a pile of her son's toys and says, like, hey, come join us for dinner. Sho Chen, let's eat together. She grabs her chopsticks and eats dinner with her husband. The child's train toy activates by itself. The woman stands up in astonishment and watches the lights flash on the toy. Shuji Okuna recounts, The toy had a manual switch inside of an electric one, so there'd be no way it could turn itself on. And one of his electric choo-choo trains just starts like, choo-choo! I literally screamed, girl. Like, I knew something creepy was going to happen, but when that happened, I jumped out of my seat. Well, because we're here with this mom because our our journalist friend says, you know, people were kind of desperate to hear from their loved ones yeah. at this point. And they were looking for messages and looking for connections. And so this mom, in her grief, is now convinced that her son's spirit is communicating to her through this choo-choo train. Yeah. So when she says, when she like turns to the pile of toys she is actually talking to her son saying like okay like there's a connection there for her yeah but when that toy turned on <laughs> I know <laughs> oof maron because the thing about it and I don't know if, if, if this is where they tell us but I want to say this here the people in Japan according to this documentary they don't handle this grief and trauma the way that we in the West tend to so th- you know according to this one PhD guy that we meet he's saying that like they don't seek out grief counseling the way that we do in America because we view death differently we see most of us see death as an end and maybe we'll be reunited later or or whatever but there they, they view it differently and so they don't seek out this grief counseling because they feel like it will erase their chance to keep communicating with the person on the other side. They know that they'd feel much more at peace with a counselor, but they're afraid it would make them forget the deceased. And so my point is, that's great, because it's like, you know, this very thin veil and, you know, they're always still around. And I, I agree with that. I completely understand. And I'm not diminishing that. But the thing is, when you have an earthquake plus a tsunami yeah. and a blizzard, that just equals trauma it's not necessarily (laughs) about your grief and how you handle death because you're not mourning someone who passed away peacefully in their sleep at 98 years old right you lived the destruction you those are noises you can't unhear those are images and sounds that will live with you forever and we're not talking about that part of it so i i hear the grief but there's trauma there yeah can we revisit the blizzard why why 
Why? God, why? <laughs> why does it have to do a blizzard? I don't know why she did that. But, like, I'm with you totally that, like, you can have both. The belief right. that you can still communicate and also the grief counseling. Grief counseling is a real thing. Right. And also, like, I survived a tsunami and an earthquake and a blizzard. And no one's talking about that part of it. I don't right. know if no one in Japan, I'm not saying nobody did, in yeah. this episode, yeah. what we're watching, they don't discuss that. And I think that's a missed opportunity. I'm saying it. So we're back with the monk from the beginning who was talking to the dead guy at the bottom of the ocean. I love this monk. Like, I want to go to Japan and meet him. He seems awesome. Uh, Yeah, this monk and his awesome wife. And his awesome fucking wife, who we'll get to in a minute. But, like, he's the kind of spiritual person who says shit that is normal to him that is terrifying to everybody else. Because he says, Many of us have lost loved ones without saying goodbye. We don't think it's fair. The deceased feel the same way. The deceased feel the same way. See, I don't think that's terrifying. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm like with him on that. I'm like, absolutely. They have some shit to say. I totally agree. But that means they're standing right behind me. Yeah, but if it's like me, wouldn't you be happy to see me? I would be happy to see you. But you know that like if some, God forbid, if something were to happen to you and then you came back to me like in the middle of the office, that would be scary. And I came back to you. That's like a very sweet way to say it. I came back to you. I'm serious. What if you just like... I could totally see you coming back to me for like, I know where the good Pinot Gris is kept. You know what I mean? Well, I would do it in a way. I would think, again, I have no experience with this. Um, I would think that maybe I would find a way from the other side to just give you hints like, girl, I'm coming. Girl, girl, don't be scared. But at like happy hour on Tuesday, if you, you know, look to the left. Totally. This is a good this is a good deal. Let me have had a cocktail or two and then I think it'll be fine. Sure. If I'm, if I'm alone at the office on a Sunday morning and all the lights are off and then all of a sudden you're standing the fuck in front of me and you've been dead for two weeks, I'm going to scream. I think I would know enough <laughs> to be able to say, somehow communicate to you. Again, I don't know how they do this, but say to you, like, girl, don't freak out. But when that when that light flickers, it's me. It's totally cool. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I got the most. And look, they have like uh-huh. the butteriest shard up here. It's totally fine. I snagged some. She said it was cool. I just totally went in and got some so don't worry about it so if you just see you know what you know what it'll yep. be yeah one day this, this is what it's gonna be one day you'll walk in and you'll they'll just be like a buttery shard in your collection of wine that you're yes. like i don't know what this is like steve did you buy this and he'll be like no and then it'll the label will be like girl it's me or something girl it's me buttery shard oh my god and then, I love and it. then you'll know and then that'll be fine right oh, that'll work. That, oh, I'm so glad we worked this out in front of the listeners I think it's very important I hope I remember that when it's time <laughs> I feel like you're making this deal with a lot of people so you should start writing it down look I know as a bartender you don't always remember everyone's names but you know exactly what everybody drinks <laughs> yep alright that's my gig now uh. travel down Girl, Pretty Litter is back. Look, I know you're a dog person, but this kitty litter from Pretty Litter is unbelievable. Well, again, I don't have to be a mother to care about kids. I don't have to be a cat (laughs) owner to care about the well-being of cats. I want to tell you about the health indicator. So this is the most important thing. Pretty Litter has other Mm -hmm. amazing attributes, but this health indicator means that, like, when your cat is experiencing some sort of, like, medical distress, it can be detected by the litter, and the litter changes color, and you know that you need to take your kitty to the vet. So, okay, it doesn't smell, which is a big thing. It has yeah. all, like you were saying, all these amazing things. It does it, It's dust-free, so it's not messy. And yeah. it'll tell you if your cat's feeling okay or not. Yeah, because cats are like mm-hmm. the jillions of animals. They're not heart-on-their-sleeve animals, girl. You don't always know! That's what irony is, right? <laughs> 
now you know if you gotta take your kitty to the vet. The other thing too, I had cats for years. The worst part is the tracking of the litter all over the house. Right. You don't have that with Pretty Litter. There's none of that. So basically, Pretty Litter is working for everybody here in the equation. You, the human, <laughs> and your feline. Yeah, and it works for all these amazing reasons. I have like four friends, including Ellen and Maggie, that have all switched over to Pretty Litter. They are absolutely obsessed. And you guys, you can get the world's smartest litter without leaving home. Visit prettylitter.com and use promo code TCO for 20% off one month's supply. That's prettylitter.com and the promo code is TCO for 20% off one month's supply. Go! Prettylitter.com, promo code TCO, you guys. Look, if you're a cat person, it's going to change your life, girl. Your cat will thank you. They won't show you, but they will feel (laughs) thankful for you. Girl, Brooke Linden is back. Look, you guys, there are some mornings mm-hmm. where you wake up feeling ready to just pull the covers back over your head. That was this morning for me. We were on our Brooke Linden sheets, which are so comfortable. Daisy was snuggled up in between Steve and me, and it was just like so per- Having that comfortable bedding sometimes makes even like a jump out of bed person like me not want to go anywhere. Yeah. See, I had the opposite experience this morning because it was like this gloomy, rainy, cold, freezing day, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. what a glorious morning. So for me... <laughs> I was able to jump out of bed, one, because I love the weather, but two, I just slept so well because the Brooklyn and Sheets are so comfortable and they're really cool, like at temperature-wise cool. So yeah. that really, really helps me sleep. So I was all like warm and cozy, but not too warm, not too warm. It was nice and cool. And I slept really well and I woke up and I was like, oh, this is my day. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So Brooklyn was founded by Rich and Vicky. They were trying to find like beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they just made Brooklyn and themselves. You guys, Brooklyn is like, you've ever gone to like a great hotel? hotel and you're like oh my god like this bedding I'll never be able to get bedding like this it's too fancy or expensive it's that kind of bedding but like at a totally affordable price in your own home yeah and they have all these colors and patterns and materials so they have like those towels too those super luxe (laughs) hotel style towels oh yeah they also have over 50,000 five star reviews you guys I love that so here's the thing don't wait you guys do something nice for yourself go to brooklinen.com use promo code TCO to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code TCO for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code TCO at checkout. You guys, it's okay to stay in bed when you got the Brooklinen. There's just no way around it. It's like living in a hotel. It's a dream. Okay, so now we hear another story from the journalist who's who's here getting stories from people. I don't understand this story. The story starts and it doesn't end. I agree. I, I went back. I thought I missed something. It's scary as fuck, you guys, but it, I just feel like it needs an ending. It's, it's scarier because we don't know what really happened yeah, and we're yeah, not yeah. entirely sure who's who. Okay, so it was a clear night. There's a woman. She's preparing a meal and she hears a knock at the door. Yeah. And a young woman, is. she opens the door and it's a young woman who is drenched. They say... It's almost as if she went swimming in her clothes. That's how, I mean, completely, completely soaked. Yeah. And this visitor asked this woman for some dry clothes. And the woman, who's very nice and not yes. afraid. I mean, that's how, like, that's like The Strangers, that horror movie I hate. That, I mean, I was totally, like, the knock on the door. Like, that is The Strangers. And she's, like, soaking wet. Like, can I have, like, that, like, yeah. there are p- other people <laughs> around the other side of the house coming to murder you and totally. cut the phone lines and yeah. cut your internet. <laughs> Because, like, you're so nice that you're helping this drenched woman. The visitor asked for some dry clothes. The woman goes to collect some clothes. Later, she gives them to the girl. The girl bows in gratitude, and the woman slides her door shut. 
So she gives her the clothes and sends her on her way. But like gives her the clothes but doesn't invite her to come in and change into them? Exactly. Kind of rude, I think. There's so much of the story we don't know. Yeah. So she sends this woman on, like here are the clothes. Also like what's your name? Like are you all right? Is there anything else you need? I feel like right. there might be another thing you need other than dry clothes. So again, according to this documentary, whatever. Yeah. So she sends the woman on her way in like clothes and I hope she doesn't really care about all that much because she's never seeing them again. So she goes back. She's making dinner. Once again, three knocks at the door. Yeah. And then we see in the in the reenactment, there are three more people soaking wet again like they went swimming in their clothes at her door. And then that's the end. That's the last thing we hear about the story. <laughs> I rewound that four times. I was like, am I missing something? Because they went out of their way. They did the reenactment. They paid those actors. I know. They got, there were people, there were, they did lighting stuff. Like that was, that, to do that reenactment, because it's beautiful. It like, is. And it's like spooky and beautiful. It's like really gorgeous. Yeah. But we never come back to it. No. And maybe it's connected to the next story. Like maybe it's the same woman, but suddenly we're with another woman who's walking around the village that she used to live in. That was one of the villages that like was, there's no other way to say it. I'm not making a joke. That was like swallowed up by the ocean when the tsunami happened. And she's telling us that after the tsunami, the spirits wanted to go home. But the city had changed so much that the spirits didn't know where they were or how to like contact their families. And then suddenly we're sitting with this woman, same woman for like a two camera interview. And she just says, and she says it knowingly. And she goes, some people can see ghosts. And others can't. I have always been spiritual and a bit odd since I was a child. I've always been spiritual and a bit odd ever since I was a child. I went, me too, girl. Yes, and I'm like, uh, I feel very seen right now. And she just says it like, she's like, I have been able to see dead people my whole life. And when I was a kid, I thought everyone could see dead people. But (laughs) then it turned out that it was just me. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if you were like, there's that dead person. I know. No, I can't. Like, that is really scary to me. That is. There was a time when Daisy was a baby that I thought she could see dead people. It scares me to this day. Well, kids, kids have a lot going on, but I think kids are, uh, there are a lot of horrifying stories of kids just like waking up their parents in the middle of the night where it's like, hey, that old woman wants to play chess or whatever. And the parents are like, what the fuck? The I know. It's like, oh, my, my best friend, that old man all in black, right? Know, and they're right? like, what? <laughs> so Daisy now will come into our room. Like, I'll be dead asleep, and I'll just feel like a poke on my arm, and I'll open my eyes. And there's Daisy, like, in, in silhouette, staring at me. You guys, it's the ring. I live the ring every single night. She's got that long hair, too. I don't I know. know how you parents do it. Unbelievable. <laughs> also, I think our room in our new apartment might be haunted. More on that later. So she says, like, because she can talk to the dead people and she can see them, she is always asked by people, like, what do ghosts look like and now I'm not saying that I don't believe her like she seems very nice and credible and why would she make this up but like she describes ghosts in the most like I don't know TV version of what a ghost looks like they appear as a slightly transparent reflection through a glass window like, she's talking about Casper the Friendly Ghost, where you can kind of see through him, you know? You can kind of see through them, but you kind of can't. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, okay, tell me more. I mean, she'd be great for cocktails, no? She would be great. And she's got a podcast in her, please. Look at her. I mean, three people who are just like, oh, people have thought I was weird since the get-go. I know. Like, the three of us at cocktails. <laughs> like, yeah. So she says one night she was driving home from somewhere, and she was stopped by a group of men that were killed by the tsunami. A man stands in the middle of the road, holding out his hands to stop her. They didn't seem to know that they were deceased. But I knew they were no longer living in this world from how they appeared. She says, I could have ignored them, but I felt sorry for them, so I stopped. (laughs) 
Well, you know, if you have this power where you can see them, I'm I'm happy to report that she's not garbage. That no. she's like, well, I'm not just going to let them wander around aimlessly looking for their homes that have been destroyed. I agree, but like, I would definitely do the thing of like, it's dark out. Could you step in front of the headlights so I could make sure that you're transparent and not out to like rob and kill me? Right, like, a, a, yeah, a group of three men at night stop the car. I'm like, yeah. bitch, you fucking haul ass pedal to the metal. <laughs> yeah, Get you make sure that there. you can see through them. If you can see through them, fine, stop. If you can't, you keep fucking going. And she says like, she explains to them, she tells them the truth about what happened. She's like, I didn't want them to suffer anymore. And it's like, when you think about it, God, it's so heartbreaking. Like these three kids just like walking around aimlessly, not knowing where they are on like the spiritual plane or where their their home is. Because she says that she tells them that, they're, that they've all passed away, you know, and they kind of seem to accept it. But I was like, no, what if you're just like drunk and like stumbling home from the pub and you have to convince this woman that you're actually not dead? You just need directions. Yeah, I would really love that misunderstanding <laughs> where they're just hammered and she's like no 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 no, but you're dead and they're like wait what and then you like convince these three drunk people that they're dead and lost that could be really dangerous you have to really know that they're dead if you're gonna tell them that they're dead because if you convince these three hammered guys i've been drunk enough that if some nice old lady told me that i was dead i probably would have believed her and thought i could fly and then tried it <laughs> And then you're just like, no, I can totally fly across Ninth Avenue. I'm dead. What does it matter? I think she is like, no, bitch. I know for sure that they were right, totally. Like, I don't yeah. think there's any if ends, or buts with this woman. I think she's like, I, you know nothing about this. I know about this. And just listen to me, please. Yeah, like if you've seen, if you've grown up with the dead, then I feel like you probably can spot them. I would agree. That's a thing you just said, huh? Grow up with the dead. <laughs> So we're with this professor who's also looking into these stories. And yeah. he he says, he's like, you know, a lot of people were seeing a lot of dead people uh, right. around this time. <laughs> you know who was the most believable? The cab drivers. And I'm right. like, the cab drivers are the most believable. Let's dive into this. <laughs> so he gives us the first story of this. He says, you know, Japan is really hot in the month of August. A man with a winter coat stopped a taxi around this time. The driver felt there was something strange about the passenger. And by the time they arrived where they were going, the sun had set. So, like, it had gotten dark. It seems like it was, like, a very long ride. And so, in the way the reenactment is shot, like, we see the guy in the back of the car in the rearview mirror. And then, like, we see the driver put the car in park. And he turns around and the guy is gone. The driver looks in the rearview mirror and sees the back seat empty. When he looked back, the passenger was gone. Of course I screamed. That's what I do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is Unsolved Mysteries. But, again, you're you. So, you just will scream. (laughs) And apparently, like, Several taxi drivers had these same experiences where they were picking people up and maybe they were dressed, I don't know, like for March, like the winter coat in August. And then they would drive to sometimes really far away. Like they were just driving to all these places. The meter was going, which this this journalist wants us to know that like the meter was running and all. I'm like, right, because it's their job. Well, and also because he's saying that like, A, it's an actual log of the fact that these trips happened. And he tells us that like the cab driver's they're not lying. Like, they paid these fares themselves. Like, when they got where they were going and the people vanished, somebody had to pay the fare and it was the cab drivers. And, like, why would they make that up? You know? And it also got to the point where it was like among the cab drivers, they knew this was happening and they would happily pick up these spirits and drop yeah. them off where they wanted to go and just happily pay the fare. That is very nice. But, like, I, <laughs> like look, I, 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 I don't know if all these cab drivers grew up with the dead the way the last lady did. If I'm a cab 
driver, like the third time a guy in a heavy coat with a calendar flipped to the month of March gets into my cab and I know it's a ghost, I'm scared. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I think they should link up with our friend who's like always been a little weird. And I say that like <laughs> as someone yes. who's always been weird myself. <laughs> I myself am strange and unusual. Exactly. I totally get it. Yeah. But they should drop them off with her because right. she totally. has the foresight to tell them the truth yes. instead of all these cab drivers. Like, again, it's very nice you're paying that you're eating that money, but you can't just like drop them off in the middle of nowhere and then just make them even more lost. No, these ghosts just vanish. That's the whole thing. And also stop looking down at the thing that puts the car in park. Watch them vanish. I want to I want you to watch them vanish. But just because they're vanished out of the backseat of the car doesn't mean they're not lost. I know. I know. So we have the professor who's like, yeah, I don't really believe in ghosts, but also at the same time, I'm open to it. Like he's just just like, I can't really explain this either. And so then we're back with the reverend, the the monk. Yeah. And he's just like, these scientists, man, they just don't get it. You know, they focus on evidence and logic and, you know, they tell us we're just superstitious and he just says, you know, throughout our history, there's always been a special relationship between the dead and the living. So when disasters like this happen, these ancient spiritual roots within us are reawakened. You can interpret it however you want, and that's totally fine. But at the end of the day, these interpretations mean nothing to the survivors. And here I am screaming, saying, like, just let them have this. What does it matter to you, you, like, scientist who just wants to be right about everything all the time? Like, even if you are a survivor, too, and you're a being like a dick scientist stop being a dick scientist as a survivor you should know better but if you're not from japan and if you didn't live it and you're like talking shit or just like looking down on these people who have gone through something that like thank God, you haven't gone through. Yeah. Just let these people have it. So, Come on. I'm going to say something that has quickly become very unpopular on this podcast and is unpopular in our country. In defense of science. Um, hey, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just you kidding. You know I'm I kidding. love science. I, I love I'm her. But in defense of science, there is a part of me that feels like what they said earlier in this episode is that we have to continue suffering so we can continue to see our loved ones. And I think what the scientists are trying to say is that like there is also another way though well i completely agree with you i think that many things can be true at once i think you can mourn and grieve and and have memories of them and also do that in a positive way where you live a life that honors them without just like sobbing all the time yeah and this is different too because it's a very traumatic event that happened out of nowhere so like that adds all the rest of the spookiness shit to this you know a hundred percent again like we're sitting here having never gone through an experience like that totally but i i agree with you too like a a lot of things can be true we got there's got to be a Girl, public goods is back. Look, we're both obsessed. I think you're even a little more obsessed than me. Tell the people everything. Okay. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I'm I'm way more obsessed. (laughs) Because public goods is the one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products. You can get home care, personal care, pantry staples. It's all in one place. And here's the thing. I like what I like, but I can't describe what my style is, you know? But I see it. I'm like, I like that. I know what it is now because it's public goods. It's a beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. And it's really, like, kind of simple. So I'm obsessed with the hand soap 
soap and the dish soap. It makes me feel like I'm living in a really fancy place. Um, it <laughs> smells amazing. And usually when you see like, okay, yeah, so the container's cool and it smells good, but it actually cleans your hands. It doesn't have that like film afterwards, you know? Like totally. it's made with good stuff. It looks really cool. You can also get like hand sanitizer, tree-free paper products, pet food. They have it all. And the thing about it, this is what's making our lives so much easier. You get it all in one place, you guys. So you're not doing like the single product shopping where you're like, oh, I forgot the shampoo. I forgot the deodorant. I forgot the pet food. You go to public goods. You get it all. It's a one-stop shop. That is my favorite part of this whole deal. I know. I didn't think a soap container could make me feel cool, but hey, public goods. <laughs> thanks for that. They also, you guys, they use the membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. That's another great thing. I know. And so I love them so much. So we worked out this exclusive deal just for our listeners. You get $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right, you guys. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again, like Steve and I and Jillian have, <laughs> that they are going to give you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash TCO or just use the code TCO at checkout. That's it, you guys. P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash TCO to receive 15 bucks off your first order. Yeah, I don't want to see a backwards slash. Don't go backwards in your life. Move forward with public goods. Let's go. <laughs> so we're with the monk, who I really love, and he's telling yeah. us the story that one night his wife answered the door. Again, the reenactments in this episode are gorgeous. They're beautiful, and they're at the temple, right? So yeah. this woman comes to the door of the temple. Again, knock, knock, knock. I'm like, yeah, oh my God. I know. I like, know. here we go. Oh my God. So this, like, his wife answers the door, and she says to her husband, this woman is, she's ill. Like, we, we need to help her. Something's happening. The woman said... I feel many people inside me. Please help me, Reverend Kaneda. People like her have visited me before. But I never met someone who suffered as much as she did. She's saying, there are all these people inside me, all these spirits. I can't stop them. And I'm like, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. It's painful. There's a lot going on. Would you help me? Could you imagine if he was like, you know? We're actually, our business hours will be open again at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah, this is why we loved him. Because from the beginning, totally. he's like, 24 hours a day, I will I will hold your hand through this shit. <laughs> and that's what's so amazing about like the good spiritual people. Is that like, they, like, it's not a job. It's their calling, you know? Totally. So her name is Ami and we meet her. She's in silhouette like she doesn't want to be seen but it's very cool she's telling us her story he's telling us the story and we're seeing a reenactment of it at the same time and she is saying at the time i really didn't understand what was going on with me all i could feel was pain it was so painful that i wanted someone to kill me so the monk is is working with her. I mean, this is an exorcism, right? So Right, and he says that eventually. And he's like, oh, I've done this a hundred times. Was this right. the worst one? 100%. Yeah, totally. This was the wor- like the most emotionally trying, yeah. physically. Like, this is the worst one. But girl, this is not my but first. But I got this right. Yeah, like, please. <laughs> Do I, like, have you seen my beautiful temple? Have you seen my amazing wife? Like, I, I'm I right. <laughs> And the monk is just saying to us, like, he worked with Amy over and over again. He says something to the effect of, like, it took a lot of time and a lot of incense, you guys. At at one point, he was like, "Um, Ami's hands down the most possessed person I've ever met. Totally. And I'm like, this woman, just, I mean, all the tolls it could take, physical, emotional, just the, like, 
I know. To be the most possessed person that a, a very a seasoned monk has ever met, that is saying something. <laughs> but Ami is saying to us that, like, much like that other woman, even before the tsunami, ghosts bothered her all her life. And after the tsunami, the ghosts were, like, invading her body. And so she, you know, she was saying that, like, she was coming to see the monk, like, every day. She'd get there at 7 in the night. It'd be, take until 3 in the morning to get all the ghosts out. And then one night, like, this story is fucking terrible. Yeah. She said that she could just feel the spirit of a little girl inside her. And she, this little girl during the tsunami had like had to let go of her little brother's hand. The girl heard her brother saying, Sis, I can't run anymore. But she wouldn't respond to him because they had to keep running from the water. I could see, hear, smell, and feel everything, even the touch of the brother's hand. She was so scared. And I was too. When she looked back, she saw her brother being washed away. And she's saying that, like, in the afterlife, she's looking for her mother because she wants to apologize to her mother for letting go of the brother. And we see, like, the reenactment of Ami, like, on the ground. She's just, like, a total wreck, like, being inhabited by this spirit. And the little girl within her is screaming out, like, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. And this is when the monk's wife comes into play because she steps in and she acts as the mother for this little girl and she holds Ami's hand to help the spirit girl and she says I said mom is right here I will never let go you are always here with me I said to her let's walk towards the light and she started to follow me I told her go to the light everyone is there waiting for you then Ami was finally able to let go of my hand. And she sort of gives this little girl inside Ami the freedom and rest she needs. And also, it's not your fault, little girl. This was a tragedy. No one had any control over it. It's okay. Like, you you will be loved. It's, it's all right. You're okay. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. You did what you could. You're a little kid. I know. I know. I know. And this monk, like, I just, like, love him so much at the end of the episode because he's he has so many things that he says that are just so great. He's saying, like, you know, every person is on the spectrum of what they can see spiritually, mm-hmm. but, like, that tends to expand in a disaster like and I I love that what he means by that is that like we all have superhuman abilities to like feel empathy and see things and help and like the world is multi-layered and the dimensions are real and like a tragedy like that sort of brings out the humanity in people and I just do want to say one thing like the reverend's wife is here too and she just says in in her way she's like look just like for the record I'm not like walking into cocktail parties talking about this. Like yeah, I like because they kind of became known. Like this, like Ami was going there constantly to like to help the like the spirits inside her. And so yeah. the Reverend's wife is like, I only talk about this when I'm asked. Um, she is not you, yeah. girl, walking into the cocktail party being like, who wants to ask me about that exorcism? Which one, the first one or the third one? Because that was woo, how much time you got. Everyone gather around. So like yeah. that's not her. No, not her at all. And so the monk says. You know, I have this sense of duty. Now, these people are coming to me. There's a lot happening. These A lot of people need help in whatever ways they do. So he opens Cafe du Monk. You guys, the monk opens a coffee shop. It is amazing. Cafe du Monk. I want to go to Japan and go hang out at this coffee shop. Oh, so now you're coming with me to Japan? I Before to- I was going by 
by myself. You guys, TCO live show in Japan 2022. We're doing it. Are you it. kidding me? I'm like dying to go. Oh my God. So it's like a really, really beautiful thing that came out of this horrible tragedy. And like in the end, you know, he's saying like people ask me all the time, especially around here, like there's ghosts aplenty. Like what happens when the ghosts come to me? They're really scary. I don't like it. Yeah. He's like, here's what you should say. Here's a script if this helps yes. you. Here's what you tell the ghost. You say, ghost, you're dead. Yes. There is a world for you. That world's over there. I'm living. I'm living here. I will see you later. And right. I truly, I do think that that is like a beautiful way to say there are two worlds here. Yes. Yeah, the veil is super thin here in Japan or wherever you are. You do your thing. I'll do mine. We'll meet up in a little bit. Cocktails on me. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries episode 10, girl. Yeah, season two, episode whatever. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> we're going to Cafe Dumont. We have a date at Cafe Dumont. I'm excited to go. Listen, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. It's over like 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second, you guys. I can't. Well, what are we going to do when we actually can say 200? We have to have some kind of sound effect or a party or confetti or something. We need someone to count it up. Every now and then, someone will count all the actual full bonus episodes. <laughs> We are getting close with all those episodes of the vow. We gotta be, we gotta be getting close to that 200 mark, girl. I mean, it felt like 200 anyway. Yeah. So we have like every versions of these episodes. We have after parties. We have a whole. But it's just fun. Everyone's welcome. If you want to come, great. If you don't, that's fine. We'll see you later. Yeah. That's no pressure, guys. We love you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for making this our job. We love you so much. We love you. Did you hear me? That's like the monk vibe, where I'm like, you're, you do you. We'll yeah, do jo- us. If you want to come, great. <laughs> I'm trying to channel him. I like him. <laughs> All right, we love you guys. Bye, we love you. Bye. Oscar, Oscar's legs coming out of the thing. <laughs> Michael screaming, help! Trying to throw the 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 Xerox thing out of the window and it just bounces right back. That is, it the, is be- flawless. That's the best part right there. I mean, He's so- just screaming help like at the window, not even out the window, just at it. You definitely do not want to be stuck in an elevator with me. That happened to a group of people once. It didn't go well. I'm not invited to the reunion of that getting stuck in an elevator party. How long were you? I mean, it can't be that long, can it? 40 minutes. We were in an elevator for 40 minutes. It was in the WeWork where we used to work. It was real bad. It was really bad. Oh, God. And then you were stuck in there and then went to that place where we were, that place, that office space where we were, it was so, we were so close to each other that our knees touched for four hours. That was like, that was, you know how much we hate the heat? That was like yeah. the hottest I've ever been and not in like the sexy way. It was nope. like the hot, like just the sweating and knees touching. I love you, girl, but I never need to touch your knees again. <laughs> right, right back at you on all, on all points. <laughs> I have a, like a maybe haunted story about my new apartment too. It's so weird. The covers at the end of our bed move by themselves all the time at night. At night. It was in our bed. I thought I could have sworn that Mike like crawled into bed and was like touching my leg and I woke up and nobody was in the bed. Oh! Ah! And it happened like three nights in a row. Oh and it my was God. like, and yeah, because I, like, you know, when you're like asleep and you feel like your person, and I sort yeah. of like went, and then I was like, why is there nobody here? Oh, my favorite version of that though is when Dorothy is climbing into bed with Ma, and Ma thinks it's her husband from the 1940s. Sure. <laughs> it, it, it was exactly like that. And then I was, and then it, it was frightening for a second, and then I was like, ooh, I could stretch out. Great. I know. <laughs> Ghosts take up very little room, it turns out.
girl, Wild Grain is the sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I, we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for weeks. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's like signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike may, I'm not kidding, my hand to, I swear. Yesterday, <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little, hum-. like a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because uh, I don't know how we're going to survive without it. So fam, you can fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO or you can use promo code TCO at checkout.